0: Hi everyone, my name is Zee Razak and welcome to the Next Level Finance Podcast sponsored by Sirtax Accounting and the aspiration is to unlock financial freedom and I mean real financial freedom. This is episode one, thank you for joining. We're going to have Sean who's a property entrepreneur who's going to give you great value and insights into his journey and hopefully people can use that to help them accelerate their learning of their own journey. Sean. Sure. Yes. thank you for coming I lovely. really
1: appreciate it lovely to be here love to be part of this journey and I know you're doing incredible things you've got an amazing firm massive clientele and now you're coming and you know you'll being more accessible to a bigger audience so I'm excited for you Z.
0: Honestly. thank you and Sean thank you for coming we also had a bit of a uh, bite to eat beforehand you'll see the vi- pictures you know hospitality is big here at Surtax. and Sean The reason why I'm so excited, his journey through the business and property world, for me, is quite unique. And I was saying to him off here that every entrepreneur's journey for me, when I speak to him, is unique. And it's the ones I have confidence to then show other people, give them that value. And that's what we're gonna do today. And this is all about, as I said, next level finance, unlocking financial freedom, and I mean proper financial freedom. And you only get that from insight. So I'm gonna get to the main crust of this, Sean, give us a bit of intro, all the magic that you've been doing. Obviously I've been seeing it on TikTok in a few different areas, but give us a bit of a snapshot of what you achieve.
1: Well today um you could class me as a social media influencer. Yep. But more than that, I am somebody who's gone through a journey of building a property portfolio, learning the finance sort of side of things, how to work in a bank, learning practical things such as learning through family businesses. Um, actually being a builder myself, so knowing all the obstacles of the BRRR strategy, buy, refurb, rent, refinance, and looking at the refurb and putting it on on steroids because you're cutting out middle people. Um, and today, you know, we're, we're, we're doing podcasts ourselves yeah. and just trying to inspire the next generation. So it's actually a little bit less about us and more about the audience and how we're making a change because... You talked about success and sometimes success gets to a limit where it's not about you no more and success is about
0: influencing other people. And that's what this whole podcast, because one of my biggest frustrations I see is you've got so many knowledgeable people but they're not sharing that wisdom in a way that you can actually practically use it. And that's what we want to get to the nuts and bolts of all of this It's going to be you went from zero to 10 million property portfolio, which is next level, hence next level finance podcast right and I wanted to ask you simply I know you mentioned your little bit of your journey but what were the big things that made a difference because when people look at it they get caught in the small details which stops them doing stuff what I want to know is the big things that made you make that difference and that motivation right?
1: mm-hmm. first of all it's all about it's all about your habits it's all about the thing in between your ears it's all about your mindset how do you look at things how do you approach things it's not just about you know um, I've done this course now it's going to happen for me you know it's not about I'm around the right people and that's it I'm part of this journey no it's about action how are you going to do that yourself and you've got to know your why why am I doing what I'm saying I'm going to do you know what is at the end of it because sometimes We should work backwards rather than to a goal we're looking at where do I want to be in five years time or where do I aspire to be in ten years time and why do I want to be there and because sometimes we set goals and we get to our goals and we're the most unhappiest people you know so that's just as important as you know just um, just trying to get get to some sort of goal so you talked a little bit about confidence Mm -hmm. At the start, you know, it's all about being confident. I wasn't confident. Let's be honest. Let's wear our heart on our sleeves. I wasn't confident. I was never this guy. I was actually, you know, they say school is the best time of your life. So they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? And for some of us, it's where we get bullied and we get pushed around the most. And I had that sort of journey. I got pushed around. I was actually fat boy. That's what they called me. Oh, he's fat. He's no good for nothing. Punch him. You know, get him into a fight. And, you know, I didn't accept that. I didn't accept that in my mind. No matter how how much bullying or how much hierarchy there was there, I didn't accept that I was that person. And that actually, I used that to my motivation. A lot of people go to pain and run back and start crying from it. But when you go to pain and you run through pain, you come to the other side and that pain is replaced by something so beautiful if you can push through them barriers, which is why I'm so heavily set on mindset so a little bit about my journey although school was a little bit rough I had a beautiful home life you know I'm one of five siblings and my father owned a corner shop with his brother my my granddad used to help out and from the age of eight you know my dad had to go out and do his side hustle jobs so we saw that working mentality and me myself um, I'd I'd stay my mum stay next to my mum at the shop with her because one we couldn't afford a babysitter and two, that's just what we had to do. So as soon as somebody wanted a personal salt powder or surf as they called it, <laughs> I was the one running underneath the counter and going, I'll get that for you, here you go. And I was basically sort of the, the man look after in the shop with my mum, really. So um, I learned business at a very young age. By 10, my dad used to give me invoices where it used to be, you know, uh, we used to look at the product bought from the cash and carry, how many units were in a box divided by... How many were in the box, for example, we got a plus the 20% VAT at the time, um, divided and plus our markup, which was 35%, I remember. And so then, you know, if I made a mistake, it meant we weren't eating, meant we weren't paying the VAT tax. Like, we've made a loss on our product. So... It was quite a lot of responsibility, but at the time I didn't know it. It was just normal. It
0: was normal. It was normal so and um, let me just unpack some of that because that's a huge amount of content. Yeah. I think the, some of the big things you said at the beginning and then going to the journey, and for me they're massive. And MJ, this is quite important for yeah, people yeah. as well. Is the why? I always say to people, and people are like, oh, it's a cliche. No, it's not. Because if you don't know the why, how can you set the journey? And working backwards is how I tell everybody where you're going to get to. Put a plan. If it's five or 10 years from now or even 20 years or 30, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Put down what your ideal situation looks like. Then work back and then set up the stepping stones to get there. And be hungry. Even if you have to be selfish in the sense, make sure you go out of your way to achieve it. By getting in there with the right people, the right mindset. Sorry to that. I no, thought that was quite poor. No, it
1: is a very important point and you've got to know who your competition is and mm. you've got to identify the competition is that person in the mirror. If you set a five-year goal, it's a five-year goal of who you want to be in five years and all you want to do is meet that person. So you've just got to put steps and plans in place to say, how do I become that person? Because I want to meet me in five years being that person, that title, that amount of wealth. You shouldn't look about what your colleagues in the office are doing or your neighbours are doing because this is where we get run into problems.
0: I, I think you've hit a really big point and then hopefully some, some of the key takeaways as you're going through, we're going through this podcast, one of them, the challenges within yourself, no need to bring other people in and I think sometimes people get um, confused in their journey and they start thinking about others and therefore jealousy and all the other aspects, that just holds you back. Right. If someone's been successful, learn from them. If you want that success, learn from them and then go and try doing it yourself. So really good takeaway there. Sorry, Sean,
1: Absolutely. And um, you know, it's it's not when it's the good it's not when it's the good times that you have issues. It's when the bad times come. You have got to mentally be ready for bad times. What do you do when there's a recession and the market's going down and interest rates are going up? How do you deal with that? Because everybody deals with, with that differently. If you've Educated yourself if you've done it for the right reason and you've got a hedge in the background going Well, I've got another income here, which will help me just in case this place is not rented or I don't have a backup th- Then then you're preparing for that for that moment But if you don't when things go wrong This is when you hear someone's gone bankrupt and this is when things have gone bad and this is then things have gone wrong It's not because they did it for themselves They did it for the wrong reasons to start off with so you've got to master your craft so at the shop I learned you know one of the most important things I learned at the shop was communication skills Wow! yeah I learned how to talk to people I knew straight away if somebody was gonna come and buy something if they were gonna come and steal something if they were gonna come and stop just bit a chat because they were bored at home and pretending to buy a drink but they want to stop a 50-minute chat or if they just merely come into window shop and the most important thing in business is people because without people nothing runs so people buy from people I'm on this podcast today because of you Z you know on what you represent you've got some good energy I like what you're about which has brought me on you're the person is bought. you have a brand behind you but people buy from people so I learned that from a very young age how to get repeat customers how to make people feel special and when people requested something it might only be one product for one person but I know that person would come back time and time again and this is now he shop.
0: Let's unpack that because you've some massive tips there. What he's, uh, Sean's talking about in the business world lingo is called the marketing sales funnel and that's based on relationships. Is how do you portray yourself and how do you back that up from building relationships, awareness, to actually converting from a sale and then repeating that. And that's done about sticking to your word, making sure you've got a brand, that you actually are happy with and how you communicate to the world. Are you someone who's trustworthy? And the people brand these uh, different lingos around, uh, and I'm gonna be a bit lay person talking here as well because this is our uh, podcast. And one of the things that people do is they get too technical. The key things aspects is breaking down how you're gonna go from A to B. And that's what Sean's talking about on his journey is how he's done this and a lot of takeaways.
1: A lot of this stuff you can't teach.
0: Yeah. You
1: can't. You have to actually experience it. And a lot of things that the book doesn't teach you is your subconscious. You got to leave mm. that something. That feeling. Your gut feeling. Sometimes you have to trust that. When you're in a room, you think, "Ah, oh, am I going to do this or not?" There's something telling you don't do that thing. But we still end up doing it because it, it looks too good to be true. You know this deal in front of you, and then you end up getting yourself in trouble as well. So you should holistically look at, look at things. Look at it from a point. Does it make business sense? What what sort of research have you done? What are you know experts in the market saying about what you're looking at? You know, um, and 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 then what your what your feel overall is it. And sometimes 24 hours can take make a massive difference as well. When you say, I'm not going to make a decision right now. I like what I see in here. Can you give me 24 hours? Let me sleep on this. Maybe you want to speak to your partner about it. Maybe you want to look at it from a different point of view. And then 24 hours are really crucial sometimes rather than making an a instant decision. How many times have we gone into um, a store and we want something and they've offered you one of them, you know, cards with a, put this on a credit card and we'll give you a 10% discount right now. All of a sudden, yeah. they've got you to put something on credit, something that you've never done before. Mm. And it's an item that's depreciating. Yeah, It's not appreciating, it's not gonna make you money. As soon as you've walked out of that shop with that good service item, you're losing money straight away. And it has no value.
0: Some, once something's used once, it has no value. So. <clears throat> well, on that point, you've made, uh, so much value, loving this, right? Me and MJ were talking about a property deal. And as you go through the scale, buying something from a shop, if low ticket I am, as you go up the scale, the decision making time and giving yourself time by stepping back is so crucial. Because by evaluating it and getting the right people around you, your advisors, your power team, whatever you want to call it, so important. And this is what Sean's saying. And as you're going up the scale, I was talking to uh, MJ about a property deal the other day uh, and we we're talking about a commercial property because we love commercial property uh, I know a few of the audience will love that especially some well-known people will love me saying that and the reason why we like that is because of the potential but more due diligence is required because the reason why it's got higher potential return is there's more risk absolutely, and especially in the current market so as you rightly said giving yourself time looking at it for different angles MJ you were talking from a, a building perspective so important by the way if you evaluate a deal without having someone who understands the construction element or conversion element quite well you're going to have a nasty shock um, so make sure they're part of your power team um, obviously we love tax as well just to let you know right MJ you were mentioning this deal what was the things that you were worried about and this sort of leads into what Sean's talking about about due diligence so the um
2: property that we went to view, um, it was like um in Wiltshire, so um it's on a hilly like um area uh where there's a lot of subsidence and movement in the property. So just we're looking into it and there's like some special terms you have to put insure for that type of property. So, you know, like um if there's any like a uh, subsidence some or sort of
1: indemnity insurance. Like to protect a a you.
2: separate indemnity insurance to normal insurance because it's in a locker risk zone. So we thought like that is partly um, why the property should be um, valued lower than a, like a normal property that would have been on a flat ground, more secure, not in a um, risk zone. So um, this is what I was just trying to explain to Z um, yesterday, um, you know, should, should the property be valued to other properties in the area at the same value, or should we offer less?
0: So. Yeah. so so important, and this goes back to what you said: giving yourself time, reflecting, having good, Absolutely. good um, uh, power team or advisory team or people that you're relaxed with you, to have, you know, give that idea, smack that idea around, see if it's going to work, and then it shapes up, or you don't go ahead.
1: We got to remember, and that's not the only deal there in front of you. And there's always another deal waiting down the road. We have to stop getting so anxious and going, this is the only deal that's going to happen. If, if this doesn't happen, then my whole world is over. How many times have we thought about that? But there's certain uh, deals where I've even paid for survey fees and there's a problem with the flank wall, which is the side wall. It's got subsidence. Wow. That, that's the best five £700 pound I've actually spent. Because yeah. it's actually saved me a couple of hundred thousand in redoing that property up. So let's not worry about them ones. And guess what? better deals come and I've even said no to certain deals. I've said yes to another one and only five to seven years later I knew that was a better decision because of the location. You know, and and, and you lose the good ones, but you find the better ones, let me tell you that for sure.
0: I I think location is quite important as well. I I think having a strategic view on your property portfolio, how you're gonna do that, that's one of the learnings that I speak to a lot of uh, property entrepreneurs and I'm fortunate to be able to advise them. One of the things is think about Uh, your locations doing it in pockets and having multiple investments will be better than you then doing odd ones all over the place the reason being is then you can benefit from economies of scale and knowledge of that area and and you build deeper relationships Mm -hmm. and i've seen quite a few people be highly successful getting to multi millions tens of millions even into the 100 millions doing this strategy Mm -hmm. because when you go in different areas. You have to know what that area is about. The footfall of that area, uh, what's happening in that area, is the government investing, are they doing the leveling up? What's that gonna do? What's the demographics? employment any this regenerations regeneration that's the leveling up is massive right now uh, unfortunately it tends to be only in conservative areas so if you look at a labor area you're probably not going to get the funding right now i know certain person will be saying to me see you can't say that <laughs> um, i'm not going to mention their name but i think this is so so important and what mj was really highlighting to me is that laser cat scan view on it and having a look in and saying hold on this is from a construction perspective You know, I'm not a construction expert, construction expert, construction expert, because they've done a number of property developments and done them themselves. So they've learnt the ins and outs. Definitely. And that's the. It's always getting a few different
1: pair of eyes looking at the same thing, because we're all looking at it from a different point of view. You might be looking at an asset, like earlier on, you were talking about commercial, because you're like, there's so many more tax benefits and tax reliefs if I buy this commercial rather than buying it under sort of residential. I'm, if I'm looking at something, I'm going to be looking at a totally different you know, view, like a businessman and saying, well, what's my ROI and what's giving me the best return right now? Where do I need to do the least amount of work for the highest returns? And then if you've got a builder over there, you, he's going to be looking at, well, what's going to cost me the most right now? You know, So it's good to expand your knowledge. And if you do have a power team, it's good to all go at, at the same time because sometimes even going, can I come in three working days, 72 hours with my builder, the deal's gone sometimes if it's that good. So it's all about, you know, it is about time. Um, You have to do your due diligence, but also be mindful what's motivating the person who's giving you this property. It's commission, and he wants that commission as soon as possible. So when you understand people, that's when you really start doing well in business. So there's three main things that I learned when I was at the shop until the age of 13 from 8 to 13 one customer service and how to relate to people two little bit of mechanics about business about buying a product what people want there's a process in the middle where you know you've got to you got to package it nice for the customer you know and so vat and markups and the third thing that i learned actually was delayed gratification i wasn't actually getting paid while i was at the shop but guess what the lessons that I learned at the shop, I still use them lessons today. I'm talking about it on a podcast, you know, uh, 30 years later. Because I wasn't getting paid. I barely got a little 25p panda pop. But it was just, you live in my house, you eat my food, you need to help the family business. Mm. And you know what? There was even a book I was reading about um, this a father who had three girls and he was a chess champion. And all of his daughters became chess champions. And the youngest one out of all of them actually ended up being the youngest world champion in the whole world yeah. and certain people look at you and go what a depressing life all you know is chess." but when you ask these girls and you ask their parents the parents go do you know what they would even go midnight go to the toilet and be playing chess, because that was their whole world they actually had different dopamine here, a different adrenaline rush when they were playing because they just wanted to be that good saw mommy do it i saw daddy do it I'm going to do it too and I'm going to become better and I want to impress them and that's where their dopamine hit. To somebody from across the room, it might look like the most craziest thing what you're doing and the saddest thing, but they're thinking with their own mind and their own emotions.
0: You're you, Sean, you've hit you know? a huge point and I'm a big advocate of this. And I know MJ is as well. If you follow us on LinkedIn, you'll see I'm constantly talking about family, my children and my, one of my, my youngest son, who's only turned five recently, and he said, Dada, um, which building are we talking about today? And I was like, I looked at him and I was like, he goes, you always talk about when we talk about these buildings when we drive past, and you always come to the office. I want to know more about this. Because they look at us as role models, irrespective of what some of the, the media are telling you, the parents are the number one role models, Absolutely, right? They influence the children, and the example that you're given is so spot on. You know, uh, I had and I joked about this on LinkedIn. Uh, my son said, my yo- youngest one is quite outspoken. He said to me, "I want to be a magician," and I looked at him and I said, "You want to be magician of numbers." <laughs> And he went, He goes. That's what your dada does. And he goes. Really, dada? You are magic on numbers. <laughs> I said that's what it is, and that is what I do. Right? It makes numbers uh, disappear. I <laughs> uh, uh, make numbers creative in the right way. In the case our friends H and Marty are watching, you know, I have to make sure I'm clear on this. And it's the same with whatever you do. You've got to think about that additional element and that innovative thinking comes from your parents. is bred into you. Absolutely. You know, even if you play Monopoly or whatever, and we go through all these things, because they're the tr- start, the training. Start absolutely,
1: absolutely. When I'm at dinner, I like to talk about business. Yeah, yeah. I like to speak to my my best mate, my friend, my father, all in one. I'll yeah. sit across the table and goes, how's business, son? I like to tell him what's going on. Oh, I've spotted a few deals here. I think the market's going this way. Interest rates do- happening here. Inflation's doing this at the moment. Cost of living crisis. Um, Because it doesn't just affect us directly, it affects affects us indirectly, because the people who live in our houses are also our consumers, you know, Mm -hmm. and we create nice areas, you know, renovate certain properties that are literally derelict, that are not being used for housing and we make these over to provide it for a consumer, but we also have a responsibility to make sure that consumer can afford it, and we're providing good housing. So there's so many different elements. Um, So Z, just moving on a little bit from the um, shop, Mm -hmm. I realized, so you know, I've only got up to 14 now, (laughs) 13, 14, but I realized that I wanted to earn my own money, and once or twice I went to the cash and carry with my dad, and I went to the cash and carry, and there was this guy called Sanjay Wadwani, And he was a young boy, young boy. But his dad like set this cash and carry. It was Afro Caribbean food. And um, I said, he goes, dad goes, are you sure you want to work? I said, yeah, because all I thought about, I want some money in my pocket. You know, I need some. I need to get paid now. I'm not even getting a panda pop here. How can I? How can we do better than that? So I went to this cash and carry, and I ended up getting a job. Saturday and uh, half a day on Sunday it would be. And then during summer holidays, I'll be able to spend my six weeks there. And um, I was a normal cashier and it was this you picking big stock up, scanning it and putting it on another trolley on the right, counting how many items, printing a bill out, and here you go. So that was ultimately my job role. Apart from that, I started picking off items and putting it on a pump truck, on a pallet, started learning how to pack things properly. Um, And at the same time, because I was really lazy, um, I was like, why well, am I going to pick up 20 kg rice? What's the code on that? I was an eight digit number. So, one thousand eight five six is tilde basmati rice. Oh, the Nox ox cubes is 5051. I, you know I, mean? I love it. Do you know what I mean? And we just had a bit of rice earlier. <laughs> I
0: love
1: that. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. but um, so I ended up learning thousands of codes in my, in my head purely because I didn't want to break my back. So that was the first thing that I leveraged, that the more knowledge you know, the mm. quicker, you, the easier you can make a task. And second of all, um, there was this old lady once who was pulling the trolley out and it's concrete floors. And I said to her, would you like a hand? Because, you know, I have mothers and grandmas, etc. And she goes, yes, please, son. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Let me grab it for you. I, I think I might get in trouble for leaving the tills, etc. So I went and loaded her car up. And I learnt that from the shop as well, how to put the heavy stuff at the bottom and all the light stuff on top. And she went, a crispy £5 note. And she goes, here you go, son. And I went, uh, no, I can't accept this. And she was like, no, no, it's for your tea money. Don't worry, I'll speak to Paul. So I went in and I went, Paul, here you go. She's given a fiver. And she, he goes, no, no, that's yours. And I went, but, because we, we were taught not even take a single penny mm. out of the till. And he goes, no, that's yours. You've just helped her out. And I went, okay, so wait, I, I can do that. And he goes, well, yeah, it's part of like customer service. And if they feel like they want to give give you something, then you can go for it. And I thought, I had a light bulb moment. I'm on £3 an hour right now, 10 hours, that's 30 quid. I help eight customers out there for a five hour and 40 quid. So I started learning about multiple streams of income. I'm going to take 40 quid home with me every day that my parents don't really know about, so and now they're gonna be watching this podcast. But the, the brown packet will go home with the, with my wages and go, there you go, guys, there's my hard wages, I don't really need anything, but I've got my my cash money there where I'm like, I finally get to throw these uh, high techs away and get some nice Reeboks, do you know what I mean? And um, so that's where I learned multiple streams of income. I even uh, stayed until I was like, you know, 16, and uh, I remember they started doing deliveries to Birmingham and Manchester but you had to get there an hour and a half early. So it wasn't a six o'clock, five o'clock start anymore. You had to get there at half past three in the morning. Wow. And I used to have this little mountain bike that mm. my dad won from Ivion from the cash and carry as well. So that's the only reason I got a bike. But I remember I used to go in down Hackney, marshes where all Westfields is right now. But I remember this hill that was just the most horrible hill, especially 3.30 in the morning. You had to put it on the lowest gear to try and ram yourself up it. But I used to get there and, um, Again, me being lazy, I just thought, that's an easy job. I just have to get myself out of bed an hour and a half early. But as soon as I get into the truck, where the driver was, above there was a bed, that little hump bit. So I'd get in there, i like, morning, cool. I'm going straight to bed. And I just used to go to bed. And I said, just wake me up when we were in Birmingham. And he's like, all right, you know, they felt sorry for me. He's a young boy and stuff. And so we used to get there and he goes, well, hey, I used to get up. Oh, I'm I'm fresh now, you know, I'm fresh pump truck it off onto the lift bring it down come off it and then we just had to just put it all in the shop and then it was like on our way back I didn't want to sleep I just had a little mug there and we had a little coffees and I was just looking at the sights you know and uh, again that the, 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 the tricky with life is you know I think Steve Jobs actually said it yeah. you know um, if you want to see how to do a job easily just look in the office the, the laziest person in the office he'll show you how to do a job easy do you know what I mean? And and that's one thing I just always used to see is, where how can I get to the top to earn the most money and make my job the easiest? And I always used to say, well, numbers, um, helping, well, the art of helping others actually got me more money in my pocket in the same amount of time. So just learning these lessons at, you know, uh, 14, 15, 16 was immense and it was all about My main motto was just let me impress my dad. Let me impress my granddad. Oh, let me impress Paul and Sanjay Wadwani. And out of just impressing them, it was just doing what they needed you to do. And the bypass and the byproduct of that was learning skills and earning money at the same time. And leveraging, leveraging all their knowledge and their experience. A lot of us want to be around our peers, Mm -hmm. other 15-year-olds, other 16-year-olds. Kicking ball all day, walking down the roads and... You know, procrastinating, doing stuff that's not bringing us no value. But what about sitting with your elders sometimes and and accumulating some of that knowledge and experience? And tell me your story when this happened, because. Why are you trying to replicate the will all over again? Somebody's already got a will, jump on theirs and and leverage off their will and then keep leveraging off other people. This is why we have mentors out there. This is why we have authors and books out there and certain people who have mastered games um, around us and be around them circles is what I'm trying to say because them early lessons from five, six years, I believe that is what's made me the man I am today because it's given me that mindset. It's given me a framework of my boundaries, what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing and what I don't feel good doing, and what I do feel good doing. And from there I did
0: my university. Let me unpack that because you put so much value in there, Sean, (laughs) and it's huge. And for the audience who are following this, this is inspiring. I'm inspired listening to this because I feel I can relate to a lot of this as well. One of the things Sean mentioned there is multiple sources of income. So he was breaking up and learning that just having a rate per hour uh, is not the only way to get income. He was thinking, what additional tasks can I do, which will give me additional revenue flow? So that was one of the things. Also, his um, makeup of his journey has helped him give objectives. It's helped him uh, generate those objectives and have that drive. <clears throat> and that drive can be different things. I call it energy, right? Because one of the biggest things people say, especially when they meet me is, I felt that energy, right? Because if you don't have no energy, and you're like, yeah, the uh, great, it ain't going to happen. Imagine turning up to your account and I know a few people say that and they come and, yeah, well, we can do this. and uh, It's someone like, well, we can do this. We can save you, shed loads of money here. We can do this. Total different conversation, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what I think I'm seeing from you, Sean, is that you've got that energy. You've oh. seen your parents, you've seen their struggles, the drive, and then you've said, how am I going to put it in for me? Yeah. What am I going to learn from this? Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Sorry to interrupt. We're just giving some bit more insight. Below this, you can actually subscribe to our newsletter or download some free guides, uh, which we recommend. And if you feel you need more advice, please do get in touch. Our details are below. It's inquiries at surtax.co.uk. And I'm going to let you get back to the podcast. We got, it, we got it easy. Let's, let's, let's be honest. We got yeah. it easy, you know.
1: Is like Our parents are immigrants. They come from different countries. They've had Definitely. to go through a lot of hardship to get us here. They've... Um, had to wash clothes without washing machines do you know what i mean while they've had eczema my mum's told me she's had to wash stuff in cold water wow. we're living in luxury, luxury. see the uh, world from their point of view and everything becomes um easy if you haven't traveled go and travel you know spend yes. it's, it doesn't cost a lot of money to travel either ryanair check it out on booking.com it, you know um check it out What what's 20 quid return go on a friday come back on a sunday Okay, look. Let me look at how much hotels are. You don't have to live in the most uh, lavish places. I've stayed at places forty pounds a night. Suddenly, somewhere you got to sleep. Why you got to have all the bells and whistles? What I want is, I want an experience. I want to walk and talk. I want to speak to people who are from the town and what's the city like and and see how are they struggling? How are they surviving? How are they running their businesses? Because not everywhere else is like the UK. We don't, yeah, yeah. not everywhere else has a system where they're just gonna give you benefits or the amount of benefits we get. And um, we've got to understand that this is not a given. This is not that happen- something that happens everywhere. So when you travel a little bit, it opens up your mind to say, hang on, I've got every opportunity in this
0: book to make it in life. The only person stopping me is me. I think you put in a, a tax tip, come in, Be your account tax, well, either you can't make that tax deductible, that journey, if you know how you're doing it. It's got to be added in. Come because on. people, people <laughs> say, well, the business can pay for you to grow the business and Absolutely. grow your intellect and knowledge. So it's got to be done. Oh. I think the bit that you were getting to, you went to university? Went to and, university, and yeah. What was, how was that experience on the journey? Yeah, what, I mean, what value did it add?
1: To be honest, I was just going through the emotions. I passed my um, A-levels. I was very fortunate. I was going to uni at a time when it was about 11 or 1,200 pounds uh, per year, but my dad said I'd have, I'd have to pay for that myself. so yeah. the cash and carry and the McDonald money um, came in handy. Um, so what did,
0: you, what, what did you study?
1: I did accounting and finance.: Oh love it. <laughs> um, and I quickly knew that accounting and finance wasn't for me. Uh, because I went for my dad's accountant on uh, one of the work experiences that I did over my six weeks holiday. I got in with the accountant and I uh, got to wear a lovely suit and tie. So you look the part and you got your own desk and you got your own uh, computer and then poof better dust falls out all these files have come out so you put it on your desk and they go oh these are all of the accounts that we've these are subsidiaries and ledgers and this is where you need to um put all of the uh, numbers into you know all of these boxes so I, I was a person on a mission all the time so how can i serve as many customers as possible etc so i looked at nine o'clock i went okay let me work through this so i open a file boom Okay, this goes in sundry, this goes in this expense, this goes in there. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, must be nearly lunchtime. Half past nine. Great. Okay, well, I think I've done half a day's work already. And then you got, hey, I've done all them files. Okay, cool, here you go. <laughs> it was like never ending. It was like... What? And I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm, and 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 I'm I'm sure there's you know hierarchies and you become
0: partners
1: and there's certain I'll things. Oh, jump happen. in
0: there, Sean, just so <laughs> the audience, if you're looking to work out, those are back in the bad old days, right? <laughs> now you've got something called cloud technology, right? And good big boost is zero with gold partners and Dex, They help automate, but it can be depressing if you don't know why you're doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you have to, as you know, is a good grounding to understand the finances and I think that's probably one of the positive sides that you probably got out of it, right?
1: Absolutely, I mean it's very analytical we did a math section in there I didn't really focus on maths too much in GCSEs, I ended up getting a C Um, however when I did it in into um, my degree it was like an a-level simultaneous equations algebra i I got it a lot more i was a little bit more focused taught you a little bit about business economics cycles and it was good to see it from a different point of view rather than hear it from dad and uncle about what was happening and what they were buying and why they were sort of buying it so i got both sort of sides i'm gonna
0: cut to the the thing what was your key because we have so much debates i see on linkedin people's you know, saying university is not worth going yeah. and all the rest because the finances are changed. Yeah. I guess, what was the key takeaways for you from um, their, uh, your university experience? What, what, how they helped you or not helped you? Whichever way. The key of-
1: benefits of a university is you own your own time, you learn group working sort of skills, you learn leadership skills to take ownership of a project that who's doing what part of the, the unit contributing and how do you get everybody in the same space at the right time to accomplish this same goal because it affects everybody's grade. The downfall to uh, university nowadays is not a thousand or twelve hundred like yeah. when it when I was going to university, so three grand. I didn't quite know what I was doing, but it was great to have a BA Honours. But today, is it worth having that sort of degree when you're wasting the best best ability of your time, like in terms of uh, 18, 19, 20, 21, these best years where you've got the most amount of energy to go and start working, um, do an apprenticeship, learn new skills that's going to ultimately help you for the rest of your life. Yes, you might not have something to fall back on. That's the risk you do take. But remember, always have a conversation with your 80-year-old self. What's your 80-year-old self? I'm Sean, I'm 80 right now, and my 18-year-old is talking to me. Man, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Don't Don't let me tell you you can't do this again. You can always do this again. But, you know, there's so many courses out there nowadays. If you want to go in property or you want to go into business, I'm telling you, there's nothing more that's uh, gonna help you than practically going to do something. Go and get some work experience. So if there's an apprenticeship out there, go and have a little look at them sort of, you know, line of things because Sometimes you finish your degree and you're gonna, you'll think this amazing job's waiting for you and just a normal £25,000 job's waiting for you. You've got a £30,000 debt over your head and then you're expected to rent your own place, afford your, you know, cost of living, especially when there's a crisis going on. You can't even afford to buy a car right now because fuel prices have gone up and you know, you've got Eulers everywhere, so you can't buy even older cars. <laughs> so you need to look at things holistically now. So sit down with an advisor, sit down with a careers advisor, th- sit down with the older, sit down with your parents, guys. It's important yeah. to respect people like your parents because, and not have competition with them people because they are the very people. Your parents, such as your, your mum or your dad, are the only people in the whole world that would want you to be better
0: than them. You know what? You've summarised it in such a beautiful way, which I I really appreciate because it's so important. And what you've done is you've summarised how someone should evaluate. For me, uh, university, and I'll just give my two pennies worth on it, is that I I learned a lot from university. It was a massive process for me. Um, But you do need to evaluate what you're doing. Is that going to generate you the money in the future compared to the cost of doing it? And as the cost rises, it becomes a harder decision. And definitely speak to the people you trust, like your parents, and make that decision. Yeah, Totally agree. Moving on, right? Because you've built all these building blocks, which we've gone through in detail. What property strategies have helped you get from 0 to 10 million which is quite impressive Sure And how did you make those happen?
1: Okay, so the very first thing that you need to concentrate on guys is budgeting Yeah, so first thing you need to budget your money You've got to be in control of your emotions You've got to be in control of your habits So you need to create a cash flow where you know it's going to be in the blue, in the plus Yeah, because if it's in the red you're not saving anything And if it's, you know, in the plus then it means you've got a surplus amount of income You then need to look at an area of where you would like to buy and you've got to look at the house prices for example something's 200,000 if it's for you to live in you can get away with 5 or 10 or 15 percent deposit and if it's something like a, um, a buy to let you need 20 to 25 percent so you need to work backwards again so you say hey look this property is 200,000 what's 25 percent 50,000 I need 50,000 pound how do I get to 50,000 what am I saving on a monthly basis for example it's a thousand pounds by the end of 12 months is 12,000 by the end of two years, it's 24,000. You've got to look at creative ways. You've got to say, Can I get a gift from anybody? Can my parents help me? Can I joint venture? Can I get a partner to try and build up that deposit? For me, it was again good times. I saw a property for 140,000, it was in Dagnum, um, and I was saving money from my Saturday Sunday job and Monday to Friday in Barclays so I started this banking job and even as a cashier I got 1500 pounds and Saturday Sunday I used to get hundred pound on each day ended the month 800 pounds would come in from McDonald's alone and I could survive on that and 1500 pounds would go into the savings account over 10 months that's 15,000 pounds simple as that yes I was the crazy one in the office that how was your weekend Sean Uh, Yeah, I got up in the morning for McDonald's, didn't I? He's bloody crazy, that one. But these were the same people who were turning around going, you bought your property already, 21, how'd you do that? Well, you remember all them Saturdays that you were like, you know, calling me crazy for, that nobody wants to do. Don't follow the system and don't follow the crowd. We're not sheep. It's the ones that, 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 that leave the herd, are the ones that look crazy, that end up, end up achieving anything. So mine was a simple strategy of saving a £1,000 a month, getting to 15000 I had a 10% deposit on a house in Dagenham and that's how I bought my very first um, house. Um,
0: touching on that, that's a really detailed strategy and that's hard work, that's hard graft. And that's someone making their way in life because that's how you started. And some of the things you mentioned before, probably a bit more advanced. And it's going through that process, starting making sure you can uh, tangibly see something that you've achieved um, to give you that motivation. Because once you probably bought that first one, as you rightly said when you said to one of your colleagues, it made you feel good, right? Absolutely. And that's the key. And when you listen to people that have been successful uh, consistently, I hear this all the time. And it's one of the key traits that I've noticed from successful people is that when they reach the objective, they celebrate, but they move on. And they look at the next one and the next one. And you probably hear, I'm a big man you fan. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was a legend on this. Absolutely. Because what he used to say, as soon as you won the trophy, put the medal, put it away. When you retire, you can look at it. Start thinking about the next one Absolutely. and the next one and the next one and that's how property is and same as business so you've got your first property was it like a single bite to let
1: it was a normal residential is what I bought first of all and i moved in it for a little while okay and, and I thought ah oh, this is gonna be for me I've bought my own house and then three months later into it, I was like, this, is, this doesn't feel good. I don't want to be here. Like, what am I doing? I'm spending money on council tax. I'm spending money on electric bills. Um, I'm spending money on separate food. And actually, this, this little logic that I got that I was going to save a £1,000 a month is going down the drain. I'm hardly saving anything. And it just took me three months to work that out. So I was like, hang on. So I rang the bank up and I went... What's the process of renting this place? Because I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live here anymore, you know. And I'm in a two-year fixed deal. And they said, oh, that's not a problem, Mr. Land. Um, you can have a permission to let. Here's a document you just got to send us a check for 295 pounds and um, yeah then you can you can you can let it so I was like okay great so I was almost accidentally going into <laughs> <laughs> the landlord sort of business all I know I just wanted an asset next to my name yeah, yeah, yeah. so they they gave me that for the, the next couple of years and um, basically I rented it for a thousand pounds and my mortgage was 500 quid so wow. I was making another 500 pound that's six thousand pounds a year I got promoted in my job at the same time. So there's like a, a book called The Alchemist. And wow. um, this guy who's on a journey goes and sees the wizard in the castle. And uh, the, the wizard goes, well, can you put this oil on this teaspoon, walk around all of my castle and then come back without dropping a single drop? And he goes, yeah, I can do that. So he goes and does this. Two hours later, he comes back and he goes, look, I haven't dropped it. And he goes, did you see my lovely paintings? And he goes, hmm. No, did you see my garden that I've spent 15 years making? And he goes, I'll be back in a second. So he goes back and um, he goes around the whole castle and he comes back and goes, Your garden? He goes, Where's the oil? Oh, must have dropped it. So the art is of life is doing the task in hand while still be vigilant what's going on around me to to say what's my next stop. Because mm. if you're in McDonald's, you're making a burger. If you're going to sit there and just making a burger, then that's what you're going to see. Mm. If you're going to stand there making a burger and say, where does this burger go? My manager gets it, he puts it in a production bin. He calls out how much he wants burgers, Big Macs, on chicken side. He's running the whole floor. He's looking at his car park area. He's looking at drive-through times, how many cars are coming per second. You know, all of a sudden, I want to do his job. But, yeah. but I have to do my job to get there in, in the first place I've got to do the task in hand while being vigilant and that's how you even get from being somebody on one station in McDonald's to becoming the MD a lot of people say you can't make it of course you can some of the best entrepreneurs have started from the bottom and learned processes and the art is you got to keep moving and that's exactly what I did in the bank I started getting promoted it took me 8 months from cashier to coordinator personal banker premier manager at the age of 23 wow. I'm sitting in with people in the boardroom and by 23 I'll, I've also kept up my savings plan and I bought my second house and they were just box standard Valina, Valina Bitenets. Bitenets you know it's just a simple process of just Having a tenant, simple tenant who's paying your mortgage and something left over. But the best thing I did is get my lottery ticket. I got my cash machine. I got my ATM there in place that's going to start churning me out money. And the strategy that nobody talks about out there is time in the market. Now that was 15 years ago. And some of these assets have gone from 180,000 to seven to eight hundred thousand now just by doing nothing. Yeah, so I'll stop procrastinating and going, why is it not happening? Why is it not working? It's just not your time yet.
0: You've got to know the cycles and capital appreciation is so good and also hedges against inflation, which we're going to touch on Absolutely. I think I'm going to get MJ in here because one of the things I noticed that you did to add huge value uh, and a key part of this section is that you started getting into construction, Absolutely. right? Yep. MJ, you've got some questions about how, uh, some of the projects that Sean got involved in.
2: Right, um, you said that you were
1: involved in HMOs, right? Yes, I got involved in HMOs, Um, I bought one just on the cusp of Article article 4 coming into one of the boroughs where I bought it, so just on the cusp, luckily I got my licence in and everything and um, yeah i it was basically it is three bedrooms upstairs double lounge and a kitchen diner double lounge partition two locks doors fire doors etc five bed um, HMOs University East London down the road so uh, renting them to students and you just start renting each room separately and you, you you rent each room between 500 to 600 depending on the size of the room or the facility if it came with the ensuite Um, You had some communal areas, you got cleaners to come in and and, and clean the place up. You just had to get a full Wi-Fi, a little Netflix and Sky TV to make it on the advertisement, make it quite nice. Cleaner comes every week. You've got full Wi-Fi internet to do all of your homework from school, etc. Yeah, just just simple as that, basically.
2: And uh, since you bought these properties and uh, when the legislation was then, like the councils, requirements and to present date has a lot changed like
1: um not, not much has changed. Um hasn't. if you're a good landlord, you'll do things how they should be done. If you're gonna do a job, do it bloody properly. Yeah. Yeah, we're in control of people's lives. If you ain't got a bloody fire door thirty minute on that door, you're putting someone's life at risk. They're paying you money, they're paying your mortgage for you. So it does it is an initial start up capital sort of um, you know, investment. But also you get this back on, on 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 you know when you're doing your accounts hey i've had this spent i spent all of this money putting fire alarms fire doors in fire closers intermittent fire strips and stuff and it's only a one-time investment at the start and yes you get a little bit wear and tear but you're getting paid you're getting five rents coming in i think
0: looking at what mj is <laughs> saying so there's some stuff that's good like doing the fire safety and all these totally big fan of those, but Article 4 uh, and the licensing rules for HMOs, these are causing a lot of problems because the cost of compliance is rapidly increasing. So if you've got a small-time property investor, what I'm noticing, a lot of people are moving out of HMOs because they're not becoming financially viable. Some places, believe it or not, are charging council tax by the room. And uh, this is what's starting to happen. And this is becoming not profitable for the small-time property investor. So the legislation is becoming a lot harder. You've also got, for HMOs and buy-to-let specifically, uh, got to drop this in, the tax on interest, known in the uh, tax world as Section 24. This is also changing how you structure your businesses. So all of this compliance, um, well, you probably didn't have at the beginning of your journey yep. because this is last few years it has been coming in. It's making yeah. it harder for the small
1: Well, everything you do in life is going to be hard at the end of the day. We just need to get more creative. Yeah, if you've got a, if you've got a room in there um, and it doesn't have an ensuite, it doesn't take a lot of space to create an ensuite. You can put a, a curved shower tray, put a little toilet in there you can include that in the room, pull up your floorboards, get two en-suites, you'll get £150 more for that room, just just by that exclusivity. You need to look at, how can I get that money in? And rents don't always stay the same either. I I was renting rooms £500. I've given it to a specialist now who's got a building company. He gives me a guaranteed rent. He's renting them for nearly £1,100. Wow. You know, you've got people, students who come from abroad, who come here to do courses, and you say, you don't speak the language, I speak your language, you come to my place, i've got your accommodation ready before you've even got here i've got all of this beautiful furniture because you know this is the kind of spec that you like you've got to adapt to that market how do you make it work because they will the look you've got to look at it these are also gold dust if there's an Article 4, what does that mean? You can't have any more HMOs. So what's happening to your competition? It's dwindling away. There's going to be no more competition. What's happening with population? 7.75 billion people on the planet. It's only going to get more. Yeah. So in the future, these are going to be gold dust the cost of living is going up can people afford a two-bedroom house can they afford a three-bedroom house are there any even in the market right now there's nothing there on the market so you know as soon as you get a room there there's 20 people waiting for you so what does that do with supply and demand so you've got to look at it from that point of view because this is who we are in the market we are landlords we are investors we are builders we are construction people and this is what we are expert at so if you're gonna look at the downfalls and the disadvantages that's all you're gonna mm-hmm. see but if you're gonna say well how do I overcome this and how do I be a cre- creative and we'll obviously talk a little bit about how do you make sure that you're incorporated going forward and making sure mm-hmm. that you do bypass um, section 24 and how you can claim some other expenses and how do you create management companies you know because our time isn't free look after our own properties it doesn't give us the freedom of time to go and do a nine to five anywhere else so our time is look after the these properties so we set up management companies and charge that fee there etc and then from these management companies we can be more creative and use other things in these management um you know um companies to create more with that money rather than paying it to the tax man i
0: I think you've hit the nail on the head. I've been out of a job, it sounds like. You've got a tax advisor here, extraordinary. It's really good though. Those tips are fantastic because you're right. Look at ways to overcome problems. So for example, if you were doing HMO, is service accommodation gonna work for you? Look, slightly different rules. Very tax advantageous. Section 24 doesn't apply Commercial property. Section 24 doesn't apply, so uh, the tax on interest. And setting up what uh, Sean's mentioned is something called an opco-propco. And we will do a video in detail of that. That's the more forward thinking because you're diversifying risk and also profitability. So that's massive. Totally love that. Love how you dropped that in. I'm gonna get onto a few things because I know time yeah. is always yes. flying, of right? Course. Is, um, and it looks like you've done a few property strategy and a huge yes. uh, value for the audience. Social media, we're here because we're doing the Next Level Finance podcast and social media is huge. You are quite big on social media, especially on TikTok and various platforms. How do you, what's the biggest benefit you feel of building your personal brand, social media? Break that down for us. It
1: all goes hand in hand with social media. How do you communicate with your consumer nowadays? Every time you look at somebody, look, you don't got to be a scientist, every time you look at a youngster now even yeah, young yeah. men, even myself, I'm guilty of it. And, and I know this because I'm guilty of do it. You do you know what I mean? We're like this all the time. Sometimes <laughs> even at the dinner table. So if that's how people are communicating, then how do you get in that screen? You've got to become a content creator. And how do you communicate with the new next generation? Well, you've got to have a, some sort of strategy. Yeah. So how do you communicate and how do you... You need to work out things like the algorithm. So it, it all matters on how much time somebody is spending on your post and if you're not going viral it's not because that person doesn't like information he doesn't want to learn and why don't they like my content no you have to always push it back to self how am I not communicating with the next generation What is it about my content that they don't like? How can I create a hook? How can I create an emotion that's going to make them want to stay? What benefit am I providing my audience right now for for them to stop? Because every time somebody pushes a like, that, that, that post will go to somebody else. Every time they comment, it will go even further to somebody else. Every time they share... It will send it to probably another 50 more people because it's telling the algorithm it was that good i want to share it with some of my friends and families yeah. so if you're not getting that sort of feedback you've got to change your strategy and social media allows you to communicate with the whole world right now you've seen one guy who just does this without even making a sound and he has got big brand deals out there kwabi or something his name is and he's got most massive uh, deals out there um with nike and top top brands and you think he didn't even say anything but he just kept showing why do this do it like this do you know what i mean and that's the power of social media you know so we need to carry on reinventing ourselves we need to be like madonna you know she's relevant in the 70s 80s 90s noughties um and not be like the bros brothers who's in the 1980s for example do you know what i mean and they came and they died you probably want to remember them so um, keep reinventing yourself. I, I think
0: you've hit the nail on the head with social media. It's about adding value mm-hmm. and being consistent. And I know people use that as a cliche, but it's true. You know, I've been using social media for a good few years. And I know Sean has as well. And it's a huge part of our business. We wouldn't have a business without social media. I'll be honest with you. The whole of business, Sean sitting here is via because of social media and myself so that's huge. how we connected <laughs> absolutely and it's huge value mm-hmm. do you not know, want to hit some other topics sure, then. Let's go do you for know, it. these are the topics yes. that are trending and i we get a lot of views let's the big one you oh. know and i'm going to try to stay away from the political side so before people start racking loads of comments you're probably going to do it anyway right is brexit yeah right financially what is your view from the financial impacts from your perspective mm-hmm. and the people around you of brexit
1: to be honest, I don't think it's a good thing. As soon as you close a gate, what does that show you about supply and demand? You've just shut a gate of supply that's coming in. So if your tenants are renting and um, there's a lot of Europeans who come here to work really hard and they're renting rooms off you, you've obviously stopped a gate of people coming in. Um, is that Can that really be a good thing? Mm. You know, And in terms of your labour force, are you getting enough value? Because sometimes we're, we're, we're growing up with... A generation of people who grow up on the dole, the dole money, for example, and they've got generation is why do I really need to work hard? I'll get some social security anyway. I'm sorry to say, like you know, they they're all from different ethnic ethnic backgrounds, but that they get into this sort of um, sort of habit. And then the people who are coming here in this country to make something of themselves and work hard, they're not allowed to come in. So what happens to the productivity of business owners? It, it absolutely goes down. And, you know, what effect does the consumer get now? They end up having to pay higher prices because it, it's taking you longer to make that product or
0: service for them. Not just higher prices, higher taxes. And mm. It's quite clear that we've lost a lot of revenue by GDP uh, and therefore higher taxes. That gap believe it or not, is the Brexit gap. I wanted to ask MJ, yeah. uh, drop him into this. MJ, you've seen from the construction world, how you seen Brexit affect construction? Um,
2: there's a lot less boots on the ground, like work-wise. Um, people can't find labour. The labour that is, it's gone very expensive. So it has had a follow-on effect. Um, and yourself being in the building game as well, you probably felt the same.
1: How much has uh, materials gone up in price, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, I mean like how many trucks are coming in and out now And you know Mm -hmm. if you're getting less people working for you less deliveries, which means you know the price of everything goes up Doesn't Mm -hmm. it so personally, I don't think brexit was a good move Um, If you just think as a basic human being Who the hell is anybody to say you're white black? Asian, this colour, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, Sikh. Who is anybody to say where we f- um, set foot on the planet? Yeah. How dare anybody say that and say it's this sort of culture. We are all human beings. Before you become anything, we're human. So I don't understand all these legislations. But one thing I do know, if it's in place, we just got to work with it. You got to push forward. You've got to end up working harder to go and pick and, and serve Like who's working for you. It might take you a little bit longer. You will make mistakes along the way. But don't let the mistakes Defy who you are. Don't let them determine, you know, you're a failure. No, you're not You've just learned a lesson what not to do or who not to employ and where to look next So we've just got to look at the plus points at the end of the day and keep going with that
0: I think to summarize on brexit generally the general feel whether people like it or not Financially it's caused a lot of problems from recruitment to tenants uh, construction so many issues and financially and if rishi and crew are watching because i know they do watch some of this stuff and take that into mind when you make decisions because it is affecting our economy find a solution to the problem that you created because it's required next bit i want to touch another big area everyone talks about they always come up to me uh whether i'm sky or wherever it is they ask me about crypto yes have you been have you I've dabbled. 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 Absolutely. I've
1: dabbled in uh, cryptocurrency. Which currency? I've actually diversified into four different sectors and each four of the sectors, I've gone into probably 10 different coins. So I've got a portfolio of 40 different coins. Um, They're all in very different sectors. Some are in metaverse, some are in gaming, some are in Web3. Um, It's the newest form of technology. But one thing I must say is what we do know is we don't know. Yeah so we we must know that. Mm. So when you look at your portfolio you say 85% is in property, I've got another 10% in gold and silver commodities Love within it. my ISA wrapper and then maybe 5% of my wealth I'll put it on this new asset class which I can afford to lose. This is what you have to do because we don't know if it's in a boom, bust, if it's going to happen or if it's not. But if it's going to happen, this is the start of the Internet happening all over again.
0: Let me unpack that uh, and I'm going to concentrate on the crypto a bit. How what, how did you invest in crypto? Have you done it in your own name, company, pensions? I've been quite
1: simple. I've just opened up it in my own name and just just, just plugged away at it, to be honest. I, I think
0: that's one of the things I find a lot of users uh, or audience have uh, been doing how they invest because they've not probably thought about the long terms because the fluctuation's really high. And we're just looking purely at crypto holding it for capital gain rather than uh, staking and all the rest of the fun of crypto because that has different tax implications. My advice and recommendations, really think about it deep, right? And you can invest, believe it or not, in a pension, which is a master trust, a SaaS, uh, depending on your corporate trustee. You can also invest in companies. The reason being that you've got to think what structure is when you sell it, or change it for another crypto, that triggers capital gains tax. And if you've been looking at what the government are doing, they've reduced something called the annual exemption. So that's, you know, it was 12300 it's currently 6000 it's going to drop down to 3000 3, And yeah, so that's cutting down your tax-free. And it's a huge fluctuation, so you've got to be really careful. Absolutely. Um, I've been speaking to some people who even thinking how they use crypto for property, uh, which is a bit more advanced uh, way of thinking about it. But you've got to think about the journey and the structuring, so important. Because otherwise you lose a lot of your benefit without even knowing to the tax man, yes. so you've got to be really careful. The other bit I want to uh, touch about, because I know we've talked about government to to the next level already, right, is how do you, um, when you go and buy a property, uh, what is your first point of view? Do you get advice up front when you start thinking about buying property around the tax restructuring, or you being historically, I'm just going to buy my name or I'm going to buy a limited company now because that's what the trend is, or are you, Right, I need to know what I'm going to do, no, get the right advice. There's a quick call
1: to the tax advisor yeah. that I have on board, part of my power team. Mm. It's very important. Hi, look, I'm thinking of buying this. We've got the SPV set up. Is it all right to still put it into this one? Is that how I'm going to put the offer under this company name? You know, previously in your personal name or a partnership name, for example. You always get a second, second point of view because you could easily be... A 6 weeks tra- um, transaction yeah. can cause you a whole heap of mess yeah. later on to undo or a massive tax implication for yourself. So you think sometimes taxation, you know, your tax advisor is very expensive. But I'm telling you, it's very expensive when you buy things the wrong way and you get hit with massive tax bills. And all of a sudden you're in the 40% tax bracket. You've hit £52,000 turnover that year, and all of a sudden, nearly half of that over the 40, 40, uh, 50000 that that, yeah. that little bit, instead of paying what you would have paid two grand, it ends up going to 6000
0: You've you, you feel it. Oh, you feel it. I, yeah. I think the biggest thing people find is they're not, they look at the cost, i.e., look at the wall rather than the value. And you've got to always look at the value that's created. So if I go and buy a property and pay stamp duty, land tax, SDLT, right? I've got to look, can I structure it in the way to mitigate that? And then the value that I'm gonna save will offset the cost probably 10 times over, if not more. And that's the mindset a lot of property entrepreneurs who are successful have to get their mindset mm-hmm. around that because it's not about how much money you make it's about how much you keep I know it's a cliche but it's so important and mm-hmm. I don't think people always think about that and that's where they get caught out in so my opinion.
1: are you p- picking up on the point in terms of if you're buying a, a property like a probate and it, it doesn't have a kitchen and that mitigates the, 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 the stand, stamp duty on that so property, using a probate
0: as an example love this guy, get a bit of value on it mm-hmm. probate, he has special rules Right, Probate is whether you're buying it as a trading business. right? So watch some of the videos when I talk about trading businesses. Trading businesses are developers. They buy it, they add value to it, and then sell it. That's naturally what a developer, so it's treated as stock. On that case, your stamp duty land tax is zero if you do a probate. The other bit is whether it's been in active use. That's a different conversation where there's got water, gas, electric. That is a different aspect around stamp duty. They tend to not have to pay the additional rate. The other aspects are if you're buying multiple units, yes. you can claim MDR, you've yeah. got an annex in the back, this host of things and stamp duty land tax is one of your biggest costs these days. Absolutely. So really, really important to get the advice, stamp duty land tax, VAT, capital allowances, if you're buying commercial or service accommodation or furnished holiday lets, you can add huge value and this is how you can earn serious amounts and compound your growth. Mm -hmm. I know I'm summarizing because there's so much. Uh, The other bit I wanna touch on is, and this has been affecting everyone is, Mm money printing and what i'm talking about is the technical word is quantitative easing i.e the government prints loads of money and therefore it causes inflation how have you found the impact of inflation on your property journey
1: well it's something that again we can't control um we do know there's plenty of money that's being printed people are being had checks while sitting at home you know (laughs) what i mean the stimulus checks that are going out and as soon as they got them people were plowing it into the stock markets and stock markets was really volatile going up people were fomoing into crypto and not even understanding the halvening process and what that means and supply and demand etc so inflation obviously is massive because when you do print money you know there's there's so much money and you're actually watering down that currency and what you can buy and the thing is wages are not keeping up you know and if wages are not keeping up then the price of goods and services are going up and it's getting tighter and tighter and all of a sudden you can't afford simple basic things like the same amount of food shopping your rent's getting harder Um, fortunately I do my credit uh, referencing checks I look at uh, professionals. I've even um, diversified my portfolio into single dwelling houses, HMOs rooms, and even semi independent homes. Wow. So there's there's companies who will take your property, and they will look after children in these properties, and wow. they will lease these properties off you for five years, and they will give you a fixed amount of income, and and they will look after all of the maintenance. And since COVID, these... Is
0: that like an FR, FRI lease for insurance yes. insurance you're talking about? Yes. So that is when the risk is no longer with the landlord, it's with the person who's tenanting it. They are responsible for all the stuff. Normally in commercial properties, this is how it's done. But now in the residential sector, just for the audience insight, it's happening quite a lot now as well. And especially where people doing leases with uh, charities, uh, the government sector, and certain other organisations, they get the property five years and then they put it back mm-hmm. in the the same position as you Absolutely. had it before. Which is huge because it cuts out all your risks, yes. right? And cuts out your Exactly.
1: Cost. And it actually they because you you give it in such a great condition to them yeah. and do a couple of other HMO bits and bobs that they require they actually appreciate you letting them use the property mm. for a certain amount of time they get the council and government contracts and they end up you know it's not coming out of their pocket for doing the service that they are hence they can sur- surplus us lot so um as a businessman you've got to realign your portfolio and saying i'm in the housing sector where's the most where's the place that gives me the most reward in terms of the community that i'm helping and where can i also be rewarded back for that And that's what we end up doing so you you'll have some single dwelling houses still which i do keep you'll have some room by room hmos Mm. maybe serviced accommodations here and there and then you'll have some semi-independent homes so you've actually diversified in the property sector alone so if one market goes down you know there's still a couple of other markets that are still buoyant and you've got your hedge in place which means when other things go down there's other things in your portfolio that will go up because The market demand needs to go somewhere. It doesn't go to nothing on the streets, does it?
0: I think you've hit a really good point, and that's not a point uh, that there's so many different points. And one of the things I was thinking about is leverage as a hedge, right? And what I mean by that is, when people take finance out, depending on the property cash flows, you're actually leveraging against inflation, and that is the biggest one for me because when I buy a property, the property is going up in value, the mortgage tends to stay the same or reduce. So therefore, you're actually, the bank's paying your uh, inflation. And the beauty is if you've got something for cash flowing, the cost of borrowing becomes totally different. So what it is, your cost up to the interest rate is your cost, therefore you need rental income to cash flow to cover that. The cost of uh, the interest rate number to inflation is money that you're making because by just holding money. Uh, and that's the beauty. And we've gone through a bit of a crazy cycle where last time this happened was, believe it or not, in the 1970s, love my numbers, right? In the 1970s was the last time where you had inflation higher, well, um, than actual interest rates. Yeah. And that's gonna change. So the people that benefit, especially when interest rates were really low, have made, so holding money is actually making you money long as you have got a cash flow activity. I wanna move on to the next bit. Yeah. Um, and we're firing through these because there's so much information and Sean's got an amazing journey I've loved hearing this one of the other things I want to touch about is pensions and we were talking about this and I know I speak to MJ for him all day long with pensions uh, because I'm a huge fan of SaaS pensions SaaS pensions talking about leverage nicely runs on for that is one of the better ways of uh, leveraging money because you only have a few ways you can get money right one is your personal savings, what personal money that you're gonna lend if you're buying to a company. The second part of leverage is what the business can get as leverage. The third bit, one of my favorites, is pension leverage. And number four is JV, which uh, Sean mentioned earlier, i.e. getting investors to uh, invest in your project. All of them have different tax advantages, so always look at it how to structure. But I'm gonna focus on number three, pensions. And the reason why I'm gonna be focusing on number three, pensions, is this is the big thing right now, even more than, ever because good old Jeremy and he was definitely watching my episode on sky when I talked about pensions right he unlocked it on a different level he's made no limit whether that's gonna last because I think that only may last a year or two because our friends labor I say friends in a respectful way um, is that they may reverse it to put a limit of the million seventy-three that was there before and the reason why this is beneficial is because you can use this to turbo boost your business uh, and I've got a detailed video on this. And it's something, have you indulged a bit in the pensions? Well, have to, we'll have to have a chat about mm-hmm. this. And the reason why I'm saying this, John, because such a successful entrepreneur, it's a huge window of tax-free income. And while you're in the pension, just to let people know, and I know MJ knows this because I keep on telling you every time, is there's no income tax in the pension. There's no corporation tax, no capital gains tax, and the big one, no inheritance tax. And you can loan and unlock money, hence, unlocking financial freedom this is why it's the next level finance podcast and these are the avenues that you've got to use because if you just leave it there what's happening i'm losing money by having my own money not being leveraged and i see so many people not tapping into this and they just leave it there or they just invest in the stock market no disrespect you know, I'm not a financial advisor to that stock market, but the biggest problem with the stock market right now, in my opinion, is it's going backwards. So people are losing huge amount of wealth. And this goes back to unlocking uh, financial freedom. If you don't understand why that's happening, you're going to not understand business. And why that's happened is if I print loads of money, that money's gone somewhere. And what happened is the government's put it in the stock market. Now they're doing something called quantity tightening. QT, i.e trying to reduce burn off the debt either not replace the initial debt or buy it back and then take it out of the system what happens then is that they need to then break the money back so therefore they're divesting from the stock market that's why the stock market is dropping and by quite a lot and all the people that you put their pensions and investments in the stock market that didn't diversify they're feeling the pain because the numbers have dropped quite a lot. And that's because they were inflated. The companies weren't worth that. And you can listen to uh, uh, Warren Buffett, as a lot of people say, and the reason why he says invest in the long term is because he has the money to do that. Most people who are trying to make their financial freedom, they've got to have tangible assets. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I've gone into this detail is this is another way to help that journey and that's what Sean's been giving us huge insight is how his journey what he's used what internet that he's got intellectual knowledge that he's got who's he got it from how is that journey and then how has he used it to build his property portfolio and it's been a, quite an amazing journey and I know we're going to get a lot of views on this and he's gone into some details huge golden nuggets Sean where can we find you on uh, social media and things like this, and we'll put the links below.
1: Absolutely brilliant. Um, so LinkedIn is Sean Land, four letters S E A N L A N D. Sean Land. Um, Instagram is Sean Land underscore one. TikTok Sean Land underscore one again. So you can follow us all, all on this. On YouTube, it's Sean Land once again. And we've also got a podcast on there called Take a Seat, wow. uh, where we conversate with you know entrepreneurs influencers and business people probably have you on sometime soon as well, oh, well Z. and we'll because we haven't had any accountants or anything like that on but
0: not your average <laughs> accountant bit specialist there yes, but yeah exactly no, and
1: different. a tv you know sky you know sky presenter right here um <laughs> but yeah guys follow the journey and it's important to keep a few people in your network follow as many people as you can and get as much free knowledge you can to see who talks to you the most and go on a journey with that person because they can save you so much time money and effort by having a mentor in your life. Even at this age right now, I still have a mentor and I always have to go back and speak to my mentor to say I'm doing these certain things, is that a right decision, is that what you would do? Because it doesn't matter how much older these people are than you, these things don't go out of fashion. You will never go wrong with someone older looking from a different pair of eyes and a different angle to tell you which way to go next.
0: Amazing. And we will put all those links in, uh, especially when we launch the podcast over and some huge golden nuggets there from Sean, really important investing knowledge, I always say, then do the action, because you'll make a better decision. And that will make a huge difference. So from Z, MJ, and Sean, we'd like to wish you all a great. And please, thank you for interacting watching this podcast. Much appreciated.
1: Thank you.